If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain and Westwire football podcast, week three preview. Oh, yeah. Jeremy here hanging out. Uh, MWR.com is where you can find all of our previews, written stuff, my random bowl, throw to darts, whatever you want to call it, projections <laughs> some level out there. We got previews, we have um, all sorts of randomness, QB rankings. I'm going to, fingers crossed, get this up about the time this is posted, maybe. We'll see. Stuff's going on. But we got week three, full week, still mostly non-conference play. But we do have, I'm actually going to get right to it. It's myself going solo this week. So deal with it, as I'm going to say. <laughs> but let's just get right to the games. We have a Friday night conference game. Utah State Air Force early game for non-conference week three. We'll get more of these down the next couple of um, you know weeks as the season progresses to get fewer and fewer uh, games. Not games overall, but just not just less non-conference games. So this game Friday nights at the Academy, six local time, CBS Sports Network. Falcons are a lofty nine and a half point favorite, forty six and a half to over under. So with this game, kind of what what have these teams been up to lately? Well. Air Force squeaked by Sam Houston State, where it was 13-3. to They needed that second half uh, outburst, I'll say, to score a few points against that Bearcat match, which is pretty good from CUSA. Like, they've allowed only 14 to BYU, the 13. Like, they're doing pretty good defensively for who they played, and stopping that run option attack is not easy. Then we get Utah State 1-1, one one, Air Force 2-0, and and being, like, 10-point lines a lot, because what we've seen from Air Force is nothing – amazing at the moment like they've been fine if you want to really put it that way because they're still trying to find their footing about who the quarterback is going to be like their amount of rushing attack has been okay because they've only played robert boris fcs and same houston new fbs team and so it's it's hard to get a full gauge on what the falcons are we i know we know obviously john lee eldridge the third is the main guy zach larry at quarterback is throwing a couple times six times all year we'll see he leads team rushing Owen Burks number two in rushing, so it'll be a this will be a good sense of okay a real test for Air Force for what they're going to be and what we expect them when they play in the rest of the conference slate and, and especially when they play Army and Navy down the road. So it's going to be for I, I'm wondering what they're going to be what they're going to be like because we don't know it's still a lot of unknowns. Like okay, they're they're two and zero, great. They're seemingly a really good team. Obviously, I think we think they're going to be good, but without knowing the challenges they're going to face with a team that's better in Utah State, relatively speaking to everybody else. It's going to be kind of the first time we really know what they're going to do. So this also, Air Force is not beating Utah State. Like It's like, will this be the first year Air Force hands Blake Anderson lost to Falcons? So there's that. But overall, the series is pretty even, but Falcon, with the Falcons winning 6-11, but the past couple of years, Utah State's had their number against Anderson, despite Utah State not being great last year and the year before, doing quite well. So it's kind of been up and down for Utah State. So in last year, just kind of recap last year, Cooper Lega came in last year to be quarterback. He's the main starter now for Utah State, so he led the way for the Falcon, against the Falcons for that win. So it'll it'll be, with having Lega back on Utah State, so okay, what's he going to do? How's he going to handle this defense? Which, again, Falcon defense, really good. Three points, Steve Mason State, their offense doesn't seem great. But I'm curious to what Cooper Lega and Anderson and their offense are going to do. Like, drove on, catch the ball at Utah State. Oh, boy. He had, I think, 11 catches last week. Like, he was doing really good things early on in, the, in last week with Utah State playing in their matchup. And so, a lot of points last year, too, which is interesting with the over-under being, what what I say, 46.5. Last year, they scored 34. There was 34 points. Um 
Air Force, excuse me, Air Force gave up 34 points. I was trying to think, like, wait, who had 34? Um, despite Falcons obviously having a really good defense. But, like, our buddy Sean put up his preview. It's like, we don't know what offense this is for Air Force. We know, well, we do know exactly, but where's the production come from? Is John Lee Eldridge or these other guys going to be the main focus? And it's tough to tell even for Utah State because they played Iowa, lost 24-14, got down to a quick 14-0 deficit. Then they just beat the doors off Idaho State, scored nearly 80 points. A couple defensive scores, I believe a special team score as well. So it's hard to know what either team really is. I would say we know a little bit more Utah State because while Iowa got up to 14-0 lead, they did come back and outscored them 14-10 the rest of the way, losing 24-14. So there's that to consider. Okay, how good's Iowa? They're a ranked top 25 team. We know their defense is great offense. We know the jokes about it. But I think how Air Force, if, if like if we're looking at who's going to win and why, I would say with Air Force, it's clearly the run option attack. Can they attack this Utah State defense? Can they throw go three or four for 100 yards <laughs> three or six passing the ball that, that's always a thing of like because on the year air force only has 109 yards three of six in two games but they didn't need to really throw the ball at the first game the second game they're just grinding it out so we can see what zach lurie is going to do and it, it could be good like maybe owen burke is a guy that's going to be legit he we look at carry numbers john lee eldridge has 10 we all thought okay non Preseason potential player of the year, one of the best running backs in the conference. And 65 yards came on one play. So he has really nine attempts, like 30, 31 yards, 37 yards. I know that's not indicative because all yards count, but it's still to see one game take up majority of your uh, total total production. Unique. So we'll see because Burke has 24 carries. Zach Lear, 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 excuse me. It's a thing where, okay, is he going to pitch more? Is he taking the ball if he's not comfortable? Because he has the most carries by far. So it's going to be those three guys. And maybe even they have a fullback, Emmanuel Michael, who maybe do kind of what Jacoby Owens did. Maybe not as productive just because Owens was freaking beast and amazing. So that's something Utah State's going to have to defend and go up against. And we look at Utah State's offense. Kubler got a lot of – he's just had a weird career. Came in for that Kimmel Bowl game a couple years ago in L.A. He came in last year when – uh, which Logan Botter got injured to take over. He got hurt himself. So this is finally his time to be the guy, but he has one of the better receivers in Terrell Vaughn in the conference. They have a pretty good rushing attack. Like, we look at Rochelle Fazion, but again, he has, like, a huge 60-yard run, so he's averaging 12 yards a carry. But those guys aren't maybe be the guy. But Robert Briggs showed up. Devin, Devin Booth showed up. But it's all, again, Idaho State, so I don't know exactly. We It's still – I don't want to say it's too early to tell, but it's all, I'm like, oh, it's always wait and see mode sometimes for these teams. After good, I do what I do know is Trollbond is really good on offense. He has three touchdowns, a couple hundred yards, or sorry, 160 yards plus. But then we look at defense for Utah State, like, okay, what are they going to do against this Air Force ground attack, which is we know what to expect. And one thing that's not great Utah State defense, their top two leading tacklers, three of their top four, four of their top five are all defensive backs. Only uh, MJ Tafisi, who's really good, 14 tackles, is number three. Everybody else is a Nine, ten plus, like like Larson and the Switzer all have over ten tackles. It's not great to have your team leading tacklers be safeties or or cornerbacks or whatever defensive back position to technically put in. And they only have three sacks on the year. And so it'll be interesting to see how they match up because it's familiarity wise, they know this team clearly because it's a conference team that when they said divisions, they'd play each other obviously every year. But they do need somebody to step up because, like, T- like quit saying like here, buddy. But sacks, I don't even, I'm not even sure what their TFL situation is either at the moment here. But, like, overall, sacks aren't great with just three in a couple games. I don't know. It's me going back and seeing, like, this is a 10-point favorite. I think Utah State, because they're always, they're a mystery team compared to last year. They're always back and forth, first half, second half team, getting beat by Weber State, nearly beating Boise State despite the score being bigger than what the end result really was with the last second, last moment scoring for the Broncos. Then you had to beat Air Force last year. I think Air Force is going to win there at home, but it's going to be closer than people think. I think we'll know a lot more about both these teams. But Jaco- or, sorry, John Lee Eldridge, if he's going to be the main guy, as we thought, is Trovon going to step up for Utah State? Robert Briggs a transfer running back and have a big game. And Air Force offense, like the running game, it's, it hasn't really been elite yet. 
But then again, it, had, it hasn't had to be for the two teams they played. They should have been for Shane Mason State, you would think. I know they're an F, a former FCS school, but they, we talked about them winning the national title in 2021 spring season. They've always been really good overall. They weren't eligible last year for playoff because they're transitioning up, but it's a decent test in Air Force. They passed defensively, offensively, not so much. But I'm going Air Force to win. I think it probably hit the over 46.5. I think it'll be reasonably close. I think it'll be 24. Actually, if I go 24 20, that's the under. So I'll, I'll take the under 24 20 for Air Force to get this win. Be close to it, and they'll be in first place to Mountain Division or Mountain West Conference with the, the only conference of victory so far because everything else we get to, non conference late, baby. Next game up here FS1, 10 local, North Dakota at Boise State. Oh, we probably spent three hours on Boise State because, well, they have not been great in the first two games. Not that they're bad, but there's just been some not what people expect. They got blown up by Washington, a very close loss against UCF on the last second field goal. They are not doing great at defending home turf right now. They, they're going to be North Dakota. There's no question about it. Like this is a late morning morning game, which is kind of odd, 10 a.m. local time, but you know TV rules all and everything, so that's kind of what they <laughs> gotta deal with. And the good thing it's not freaking winter time where it could be. 35 degrees at 10 a.m. But for Boise State, what we kind of need to see, or what we definitely need to see, is, uh, okay, what's uh, is running game? Is George Shawnee going to be healthy because he didn't play last game? Are they going to hold him out? Because that's the thing past a couple years. All right, what are we doing with Lonnie? Is he going to play? They had Ashley Genty, so there's no concern about that. Like, there's legit zero concern with him, with Genty running the ball. Um, Taylor Green hasn't been explosive enough but i think it's gonna be like kind of a get right game where they're gonna come in and just just blow the door i already said it once but beat the crap out of north dakota because that's something where they need to find their groove before they play San Diego state at memphis back-to-back road games get did get into more specifically league play going forward i just want to see the offense show up because they've only scored 35 points in two games Outside of Genty, when you look at numbers for like Taylor Green, there's a reason, like I mentioned in our last show with Matt, like a recap, like where is like Taylor Green, he has potential, people love it, but there's a reason I didn't put him at player deer yet, just because preseason wise, because I want to see it first, because that's why I went Shavon Cordero from San Jose. But he had the cramping issue, had to leave the game for for a bit. He's only his two TDs, three picks. I know they're two. Okay, I'll say Power 5 teams because UCF is back is in the Big 12, so that's technically correct, factually accurate there. But Washington, legit, could be a playoff, could be the win national title. They're that good. Uh, but I need to see more from Green if we're going to consider him one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. Like, I haven't done my complete QB rankings yet. I have to still kind of formulating a little bit here. I have a good idea. But for if you look based on performance-wise, he's not at the top. The quarterback play has been okay so far. Within the league, with obviously Shaman, Brady, Brandon Traeger, Shaman Cordero playing reasonably well. Uh, we got CSU benching a quarterback, Clay Millen's out. We'll get that later. But he's probably in the middle of the pack right now. Potentialized, he could still be there. But that's what I want to see in this game. Joe Point's made half an hour in this matchup. But Gentile will be there. Green, Finder. Rashidi's been reasonably good. They're spreading the ball to Stephen Cobbs, Eric McAllister. But last week, remember, they only threw, I think, to five guys and only a couple of wide receivers are going to tight end and running back. And Venti can't be a leading rusher. It's good. He's, let's say, he has three touchdowns on the year. He has 370-ish total yards already running and receiving. So he's clearly their playmaker on this team. But you look at North Dakota sitting where they're at. Boise's like 90% chance to win a game. They're going to win. There's no question about it. They are 2-0 and in, in the rest of this conference. They beat up on Drake and they beat Northern Arizona. So there is... Um, they're, they're a solid team, and what the what you need to see about this team, or to, sorry, to know about this team, for boys like, okay, what are they going to clamp down on? What are they going to do? They throw the ball pretty well. Like their quarterback, Tommy Schuster, completed like 77% of his passes, a couple TDs, no picks. Running game's pretty solid with like Gavin Zarabath, who's going 10 yards a carry. But again, half his carries, half his attempts, or yardage came on one carry and a huge like 80-yarder. And they do need to find out who Bo Belquest is because he's tearing it up with 15 catches. So, North Dakota's are good. I want to see if they're ranked. I didn't look and see if they're in the FCS top 25. But it's like you could kind of joke and say, okay, where's the Dakota schools? Are they going to be ranked North Dakota State? The Bison, South Dakota State, Jack Roberts, who beat, 
beat up on some Mountain West teams recently. Because you got South Dakota State number one, North Dakota State number two, North Dakota number fourteen moved up a few spots after being seventeen a few from two weeks ago. So it's not it's not a complete pushover team. But I think Boise's like, all right, we're gonna take care of business. We want to see if Lonnie's not healthy, don't play him. But I think this will be a game for Taylor Green to play well to get him out there and to have everybody just like, okay, let's get their first because again, zero victories on the year. Boise State doesn't start. Off 0-2 very often. 0-3, I don't remember what last time was. I didn't bother looking it up because we're playing North Dakota. It's like, what's the legit point of seeing the last time that happened besides to poke fun? I'm like, ha-ha, you're 0-3, which some people who are not Boise fans might be like, okay, we will kind of have fun with that if that's the case. So I think what they'll need to do, it's like, just take it to them. See, that's all they need. Basically, confidence builder. It's like, that's, they need to go out there and just Beat the pants off North Dakota. North Dakota. I think they're going to do. <clears throat> yeah, I think they'll win by thirty points. All right, this next game was what I was looking forward to preseason, but now I'm like, oh man, San Diego State going to Oregon State, undefeated Oregon State, two and zero, sixteen in the country, FS one, following that North Dakota Boise game, twelve thirty um, local time there on the West Coast at Reeser Potato Salad Stadium, Oregon State suing the Pac twelve to keep it together. People could have thought, oh, this is a future conference matchup. Well, it still could be. It just might be the uh, Beavers in the Mountain West. So Oregon State is a 24.5 point favorite. 24.5 points. They have already beaten up on San Jose State. And uh, who else did they beat? Let me pull up the slate. Schedule slate here. Oh, yeah, UC Davis, whatever. 55-7, whatever. Jonathan Smith is doing an amazing job there. They have one. Uh, DJ Ungalale they moved over from Clemson because their offense freaking blows. They moved the ball against Duke, but no points, really. Hardly any points. He's no interceptions on the year, and this will be a good test for him in the San Diego, San Diego State defense. He's slinging the ball pretty well. Uh, they, they're basically good everywhere. Like they're, They have multiple running backs. No Damian Martin, Deshaun Fenwick. Both guys are have touchdowns and over 100 yards on the season a couple games. They have Silas Bolden catching the ball. So when you look at what Oregon State can do, they're a team where I honestly think I put cold hard cash. This may be a joke, but to win the national title, I don't think they will. I'm like I'll, I'll put it like I think it's like plus seven thousand. I'm like I'll put five bucks on that. See what happens. And hey, you never know the two and zero. But we know I know what Oregon State can do. And most people, if you pay attention a bit, we talked about them with San Jose State. They're gonna throw the ball well. They play pretty good defense because when they played San Jose State. It was a it was a struggle for the Spartans to do a lot of things in that game. Because when they ended up winning, it was a pretty convincing win, 42-17. Very convincing win. Like, they ran the ball well. They threw the ball well. They are getting everybody the ball who needed to get the ball. And San Jose State, like, we, I figured, oh, they can move the ball. They'll keep it close. If San Jose State can't move the ball, why the heck do we think San Diego State's going to have success throwing the ball with Jalen Maiden, who already has three picks on the year in three games? They barely beat. They struggled versus Idaho State. They in their opener, only they beat Ohio because Rourke got injured. Last versus UCLA, they only scored ten points. So I don't see how. I just don't know if they keep. They can't keep pace because Oregon State's better than UCLA. Better quarterback, I think. Even though the freshman Moore from Dante Moore from UCLA torched him for three touchdowns and almost three hundred yards. So there's that to consider. Aztecs have little to no running game. Like, who's going to step up and be that guy to run the ball? Just ask everybody out there. I'll, I'll hang out for a minute and wait for somebody to yell back at their podcast. Like, hey, who's going to run the ball and do well? They haven't run the ball again. Like, when Greg Bell in 2020, first half of the year, where they're doing well. They haven't ran the ball well since then. That's over three years. This is not a team where I might be confident in saying they're going to go back to what they've never done. And so I just I'm just concerned that San Diego State's kind of slowly going back to being, no, oh, they're just an okay team. Because the 24 and a half points is a lot. The reason that would be the case, I wouldn't I'd be I'm not confident in that in either direction, I think. I'd say more toward them covering because their defense is pretty still pretty good. But I, again, I think Oregon State's offense is better what could what could go what they can go up against because I know you still five star quarterback, like I mentioned more a couple moments ago, threw quite well. DG's a little more experienced, obviously played at Clemson, now is the Oregon State new system. Jonathan Smith is a coach I'd put on part of Chip Kelly, if not better, for what he's had to 
go to Oregon State to kind of build that program up, which usually doesn't get the legit top top recruits over there. So it's a matchup where I want to see could, who's going to stay. Like, again, running the ball. When you look at what San Diego State does running the ball, it's clearly uh, – it's okay if I use the word uh, not good at the moment, bad, just okay. Like, what 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 adjective do Aztec fans are okay with me talking about for their team for rushing the ball on offense? Because when you look at what they've done so far, they're three games in. They played a good F- FBS team in Ohio. UCLA's top 25 team and FCS team. And right now they have – they do have – they are spreading out a bit because – but then again, you don't want Jalen Maiden leading your team in rushing and touchdowns. And Jesse Arms, Jalen Armstead's doing okay. Five and a half yards of carry. Keenan Christian, about four. Both guys have about 100 yards. So it's not, maybe bad's not the right word, but it's not explosive what we've seen before. And what we've seen at quarterback is Maiden running, running better, which is good, clearly. Him throwing the ball is kind of what we expected from a San Diego State quarterback historically, 60%. But three picks isn't great. Three TDs fine. One a game. You would like a little bit more. So we go back to Christian Chapman there. It's like, okay, don't screw up. But run the ball really elite-wise. That's the thing. They have a quarterback who's okay at the moment. But they don't have that elite ground game. And defensively, yeah, they have guys like like Zeros Fiasse doing well. Cody Moon is trying to figure things out with his new team. No sacks for him on the year. He had about 15 tackles. Like they have, We know they have players overall. Because like Fiasse has... Uh, not double digits, I was going to say double digits, a pair of sacks on this team. I'm just wondering what they could do against Oregon State, who shut down a better offense for, for against San Jose State. So you're telling me Oregon State's facing a, a lesser offensive team than San Jose State. Clearly, it's with the Aztecs, our offense isn't elite. We know that it's not that great of an offense. And then the defense, which has been – not elites again. They got players. If they're going to shut down offense that has a good passing attack, a balanced attack, and one of the best coaches on the West Coast, if not in college football, for doing what he could do at a program that's typically not since Mike Riley was there has been really good. I just don't see Seno State stepping up to the occasion to be able to do this and on the road, which. Hostility-wise, they'll be they're excited about how the home field advantage really is for Oregon State. There, not not this on them. I just it's not well known as a rocking house, especially the past couple of years with construction and Boise was there. And I think Fresno was well and a half half research stadium because half of it was being built similar to what Baby is in their active construction zone. I would like to see San Diego State step up and do something different in this game. I'm just wondering, I just don't know if their defense, Oregon State's going to break through, break through. Like, they didn't look very competitive against UCLA. They gave up too many big plays. And I can see Oregon State have a bunch of big plays and just cruising to, this victory, to a victory. And three touchdowns, eh, that might be okay. I might be just more, I might be okay with that. I just, I just think the defense can't stop. They're, Aztecs are just an okay team. Like, they'll probably go to a bowl game. I just think Oregon State's really good. And from what I've seen this year, the past couple years in the Pac-12, they're going to be able to be fine and probably win. It'd be, what, San Jose State 42-17? I, I don't think they'll score as many points. But I'm going to go 30. Like, I think Aztecs can cover barely, but I think it'd be like 33-10, which is San Jose State will find their way in the end zone to get a field goal at some point, but not too confident. Vanderbilt at UNLV's next game. CBA Sports Network, 4 p.m. local time in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Vandy's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. They are 2-1. Rebels are 1-1 one one on the year after a loss to Michigan last week, which I take away literally whatever, nothing from that game because to Michigan, they're really good. But Vandy, we've seen. We saw them play Hawaii. Nearly gave up a big lead, a double-digit lead to the Warriors to pull off and get the win. They've only beaten Alabama a since then. They lost to Wake 36-20 last week in a school of the Smarty Pants match-off. So last time we saw Vanderbilt, Hawaii literally shut down their running attack. And for the year, they've improved since then, Vanderbilt, with like Patrick Smith and uh, Cedric Alexander leading the way. Both the guys are doing fine, but they just couldn't run the ball. That might be an area where UNLV 
where the guys like Brennan Scott can like, okay, that's a spot where we can slow them down. Quarterback's okay. Actually, more than okay. You have with A.J. Swan, their eight, eight to these three picks. He has been sacked six times, so twice a game. So there's that potential for the Rebels' defense to come up and make big plays and, and just get after the quarterback with Swan. Because 61%, that's fine. That's okay. But the main guy, like, okay, he throws the ball pretty well. They run the ball, eh, fine. Passing them, catching them. Will Shepard and Jaden McGowan are their guys. You got you to gotta stop it. You know, especially Shepard. Six touchdowns on the air. He has 20 catches. McGowan has no touchdowns, but 18 receptions. I guess Lona Humphreys, we watch out for him. He has a couple of TDs. But they do have deep plays. They have about, I think, six plays of 40 or more, if I'm correct on here. Or, no, excuse me. One, two, three, four. At least four plays of 35 or more yards. So they are reason, fairly explosive. And you know if he can take away from Michigan last week. Okay, we're playing. We're overmatched. Let's do what we can do. In that last drive, they went down to score a touchdown with Doug Brumfield. But this is a game where it's more on the level of a good matchup because you want to be crushed Bryant. Got to return crushing versus Michigan. Hosting Vanderbilt's right home. We'll see how that works out for them. But I want to see the go-go offense against a team where Vanderbilt is, again, more on their type of level. Vanderbilt is a slight favorite. But Brumfield is all right. Um, but then you have the running game, which is... <sighs> It is getting about four and a half yards to carry. That's fine. Not a problem there. But, you're, again, they played Michigan, so they're throwing a little bit more. But like, is it going to be Jaden Thomas, who has 13 carries, Court, Courtney Reese, 14? Like, their carries are kind of all over the place. And there's no, there hasn't been a guy who stepped up yet, if that makes sense. Like, there hasn't been, like, the main guy. And so that's going to be a thing where, okay, who's going to run the ball in the offense? Because we saw when, Brendan Marion was to Hawaii. Like Calvin Tyler was back there throwing the catching the ball, punt returns, doing all sorts of things to get him the ball. So that's what they're going to really need to do in this matchup. Is see what running back. Okay, you're throwing the ball. You're gonna pass, like how how is he going to get the ball? So that's the thing. Like whoever it's going to be, who's going to step up? Who's going to be the guy? Who's going to make sure that this offense that we're all excited to see. What like what what's what's really gonna happen? So like what what's the what's the, what's the situation gonna be? And that's what I want to see with this UNLV offense because Vanderbilt Hawaii hung with them. That's the thing too. I'm wondering with Schrager from Hawaii, he slung the ball without outside of that interception like at the goal line on that stupid fade route, which is not Cole Turner back there, not the former Nevada tight end who would catch whatever he wanted. I just, I just think this could be. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm going upset alert here. I think UNLV is gonna win outright because Vanderbilt's been okay. If they could slow down those secondary, excuse me, the secondary could slow down the reception receivers on Vanderbilt. That could, that's gonna go a long way. And Rebels got to, on their own part find out who's gonna run the ball, who's going to be the guy in a game where okay, that's gonna be finally evenly matched. But the offense, again, I'm reading here in Las Vegas Review Journal. Headline's perfect. The UNLV in search of offense and identity is Vandy Waits. So it's going to take time for this Brendan Marion offense to get going. Because I get it. Winning 44-14 over Bryant's like, okay, whatever. And then losing also to Michigan by four touchdowns. Again, whatever. Coach Odom's like, oh, I've seen progress. We've seen this. They're learning to play with one another. Because there are, again, transfers come in. That's everywhere. It's not just a Rebel thing. It's more prominent in other locations. But I think... It's going to take time for this offense to get going because it's so unique. Um, and it's not all on Doug Brumfield because he was sacked five times by Michigan. But again, Michigan's defense is really good. So it's going to be a situation where, okay, protect the quarterback a bit better, which they should in this game. Um, and some of the issues last week is a couple of guys who didn't play last week in injuries, like your left guard, Alani McAlee, didn't play versus Michigan injury. You had um, Jalen St. John. Didn't play against Bryant Limited against Michigan as well. He did return to practice this week, the left tackle. So getting a couple of the guys back versus Vanderbilt, hopefully that can alleviate the quarterback situation where he's not being pressured, not being sacked. And it's just hard to play how you want to play against a team that's really good like Michigan. So I think they'll be able to move the ball. We'll see a lot. Here's the thing. This is like a game like, okay, we'll get to know you. Maybe this is a get to know you Saturday for all these teams. Like, who's Utah State Air Force? 
Boise's going to show up. Is San Diego State going to have a running attack and slow down Oregon State defense? Offense that's really good. But I think is going to win. But I think it's going to be like 24-20, like a low-scoring game. I go over under 59, but I think Rebels are going to do it. I think being back at home, getting the offensive line back healthy, there'll be a situation, situation where if they could just slow down the Vandy receiving group a bit to a degree, that's their main key to win. Like slow down those guys and force them to run and don't let Swan beat you in the air. So next game, I have no idea why this line is worth this. It's 5 p.m. Mountain Time. I guess Toledo Eastern in Ohio, 7 Eastern. I'll just mention that time. I don't know what Toledo's at. It's in Ohio, obviously. I know that. I think that's Eastern. I don't know my time zones. I'm in the Mountain Time Zone. That's always forgotten. So excuse me for not knowing Eastern Time Zone. It's on ESPN Plus, so make sure you have that subscription. I'm not sure why Toledo's a seven-point home favorite. What am I missing, folks? Like, what is the situation to where Toledo is a seven-point favorite? Is it because they scored 71 against Texas Southern, who's not a good team? Ten touchdowns in that game? Is it because they played Illinois to a close loss on the road 30-28 to to an Illinois team that was run off the field versus Kansas a couple weeks ago? And so, and our one and one on the year. I'm trying to think Kansas score yet. Well, maybe not run off the court. What do I say? 34 23. But I don't, I honestly am not sure. Is it because San Jose State lost to Oregon State and USC? Like, those are one of the toughest schedules in the country. And they, and they, when they played, um, I think last week, Jesus, I was facing. There's so many games, so many teams to talk about here. Uh, Cal Poly, 15 3. So I'm wondering if people are just sleeping on San Jose State just because, oh, they, they got their they're one and two, but they played two top 20 teams, and USC is in the top five. And they actually play – there's lots of things to like in that USC loss. Nick Nash had the multiple touchdowns. Sam and Cordero scrambled to get a big first down. They, did, they were throwing the ball reasonably well. They have run the ball good. As better than I thought Kyrie Robinson, I know it was Cal Poly had a big game last week. But when you look at what Toledo does, like, okay, their quarterback's pretty, really good. Daquan Finn only has one pick on the air. The running running game is pretty good, explosive. I'd say three guys you go watch for Jack, Jack West Stewart, Daquan Finn, obviously QB, Penny Boone there. All those guys have about 70 yards, multiple touchdowns for them. So they spread the ball, running the running, running the ball that way. And for San Jose State, we mentioned they've lost, like, Cade Hall, Lenny Fajoko, former defensive players years in the conference. They're gone. That's the thing where – the defense for San Jose State, we need next guy to step up. Not we, but like that team itself, the Spartans. Coach Brennan, like, okay, we, what players are going to get it done? But Toledo, they're a team that the Rockets, they, Jason Kendall, like they throw the ball. They want to move the ball in the air. And they do that. And they've had to play a couple different guys. Like Tucker Gleason got some, as last week when they're beating up on Texas Southern, so it doesn't really count. But they protect the quarterback. So can the defensive front, for San Jose, San Jose State get to Finn's only been sacked once this year. And can they stop the two they have two receivers they need to keep a hold of? Uh Junior Vanderos the third and Jajura Newton both have uh, about hundred yards in those couple games. And but they have a lot of guys who catch touchdowns, like Larry Stephens has a couple touchdowns on five catches. So that's what they need who they need to look for defensively for the Spartans to stop. On offense, it's always comes down to and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face for a million years until whatever. Kyrie Robinson needs to have a, bit, a good game. But they also have Quali Conley. So they have a double-edged two-running two back system back there, which is great. Like Conley actually has more yards to transfer up from Utah Tech. But Robinson had a big game last week, so you have those two running backs. So I don't need to harp on Robinson being, hey, be better, be awesome, be good. You're this guy. You're out there doing it and being successful. They have Shaman Cordero, the best quarterback in the conference. Has been sacked four times. Only completing 59% of his passes, but he's now at a point where he's facing a team again, similar to UNLV, a team that's more on their level. Uh, you got Nick Nash still leads away, but he has 14 catches, but he hasn't done much. Like Those three touchdowns were in week one versus or week zero, I guess, from USC. But since then, he had he only one catch versus Cal Poly, which whatever. He did have seven versus Oregon State. He just hasn't found the end zone. It hasn't been as explosive. Outside the after the USC game, where we were six for eighty nine, he has six catches for thirty seven yards and no scores. So maybe he's just taking a step back, or teams are focusing on him a bit more, and he's trying to figure out what to do. Because remember, he was quarterback and was kind of like that not gadget guy, but like change of pace type of QB. If you want to go that route for naming position types, 
And the defense isn't bad. Like Trey Smith, we know is a dude, two and a half sacks. He's like he's legit. I what I what I think they're gonna do end up doing this game. I'm gonna call the maybe I'm being a homer. I think San Jose, San Jose State's gonna win outright. I have no clue why this is seven point line. They they're experienced. They played tough teams, harder schedule. They got back last week with a good FCS one, take care of business. They're gonna. It's gonna be a lot of points. I do think. I think it's gonna be like I'm gonna go 35, 31 for San Jose State to get the victory. I think they're going to show up, score points, and get things done. Next game. Ugh, this might be a quick one. Well, I mean, at Texas, the Lions balloon to minus thirty for Texas at home. What is going on, people? It's on Longhorn Network, so if you're one of the eight people that can get it in its uh, final season when the Longhorns go into the SEC, sure, watch it. I don't see this being – I know Texas is good. They beat Alabama. I, th- I guarantee that's where it's coming. Like it's going to be a situation where it's uh, – it's, I don't know. It's a situation where – it's not going to be super close, but well, I mean, okay, they did beat Texas Tech over time. Texas Tech, kind of a dark horse to win the Big 12. Kinda. Barely. Wyoming does have a good defense. Like, we've seen what they can do. Texas has Quinn Ewers. They have, well, they have all the playmakers. Like, Texas has every single advantage in this game. Quinn Ewers' quarterback is going to throw the ball well. But I do think, I'm not, this may be the home, like, this may be, oh, you Mountain West going to move whatever if you're not a mountain guy listening whatever it's thank you appreciate it but texas hasn't run the ball all that great three and a third to carry they're leading on xavier worthy catch the ball Dutavian sanders um they don't even have isaiah nay or former wyoming guy in this game only has one catch on the air 14 yards he's supposed to be like their deep threat hasn't done much uh but worthy's the guy they gotta stop who had and then also deep threat sanders tight end and then also you have uh, aloni mitchell has three tds like Again, I keep saying, like, I apologize. I think some Texas fans are like, oh, we're going to see Arch Manning. We're going to see Malik Murphy in this game, second half. I do th- – I, I have no illusion one of them is going to pull the upset. That would be awesome if they did a top four win, top five win. That would be one of the biggest wins probably in conference – not conference, but history of the Wyoming Cubby football of the world. If they're going to do it, Peasley can't guess they're more efficient. They have to control the ball, running, and they can't just run the ball only. And Peasley cannot – Coach Bowl cannot, or Tim Polis, like also the OC, cannot do. Let's do seven design runs with Peasley gets head blown off. Cannot do that against his team, against his defense. That's really good for Texas. Like David, David Gabinetta, really good. Jalen Ford, really good. Anthony Hill Jr., really good. All these guys, Ethan Burke, really good. All these guys have multiple sacks on the year. Well, Ford does not yet. Double digit tackles for the season, but he's a key player, has an interception on the year, playing that linebacker spot for the Horns. This is a game where, okay, let's make incremental progress to show where Wyoming can win in spots. Wyoming's definitely going to have to have Peasley not complete 50-something percent of his passes. He has to be higher if that's the case. They're going to have to run the ball if they can. With the new clock rules, I know there's fewer possessions, so maybe they can limit that by running it here and there a little bit less. With, like, Sam Scott's doing pretty good. DJ DQ James, they're getting um, players back on this team. Sorry, I'm trying to remember who's returning for this matchup. I had my notes here. But they have enough running backs in this game where they're able to move the ball a little bit and just kind of show that they're, hey, we can hang with the Big 12 team. We can hang with a future SEC team, a top five team in the country that could potentially win the uh, win the college football playoff. Um, but what they need to really do is, like, obviously Peasley is one of the key players, like super senior, I think it was six, seventh year guy, who knows. He did have three touchdowns last week with Portland State, but again, it's like, who cares? Texas Tech has given me watch. One to look out for to what he did. So, yeah, they can't go point for point. But on offense, another key player is center uh, no, Nofafia Tulofano. Apologies. Um, th- that's a big deal because there's a million fans at Darrow K. Royal Stadium there in, in Austin. They're probably just silent, silent count. So they got to basically be on the same page. No fumbles, no miscommunications. And they have a couple guys I haven't mentioned yet. Like I mentioned Byron Murphy. They also have Devondre Sweat for Texas up front. So having that exchange is a key because you don't want to have a stupid, oh, crap, fumble, bad snap, scoop and score, recover the ball quickly. That's got to be – the exchange has got to be simple. So they're not going to do any sort of audible count or be silent count the whole game. 
So that's a kind of, that is definitely a key area for what's going to be needed to be successful for this team. Um, I've already mentioned, I guess, like Xavier Worthy, top receiving threats, but they have multiple guys who I mentioned. Like, not quite as good as Ohio State with Marvin Harrison Jr., but they got a good trio of players out there. Uh, and then also stopping Ethan Burke. So you have like Frank Crum and Caden Barnett have to slow and stop any pass attack that comes their way, rush attack, I should say. But I want to see what the defense can do. Like, can they get after Quinn Yurts, who's got, got about get to the quarterback? Can all these guys defensively make plays and at least slow down Texas for a little bit? I do think 30 is crazy. I think it opened at 28 and a half. It was 29, now it's 30. I do I do think Wyoming well, can make some plays out of it, but here's the thing. If they start off slow, like versus Texas Tech down 14-0, this is going to be a 50 to 10 defeat. I just think Wyoming's defense will provide enough resist offense. If they score 13 points, I'll be surprised. I'm going to go 33-13. Texas is just going to kind of, 35-13, actually. Texas will kind of sleepwalk through the game and just take care of business and move on. Do we have Wyatt, Oregon, which, oh my gosh, this game is going to be... I like Oregon a lot. Maybe more than Texas. Hawaii's 1-2 and two on the road. Pac-12 Network, so get our Fubo free trial if I want to check that out. This is a 37.5-point line. What? Ridiculous. That is beyond what anybody would expect for this game. I For me. Because we've seen Brandon, Brandon Schrager. Like, he... Excuse me, not I keep saying Schrager. Schrager. Braden Schrager. Not Schrager. Schrager. He has almost a 1,000 passing yards this year. I know he's played one extra game. I do think Hawaii's, with the run and shoot, they're just going to, obviously, run is optional in this team team run and shoot, but they do need to find some balance of running game on some level just to keep Oregon honest to agree because if they're just going to throw the whole time. Oregon might – there's two things, ways you think about We're going to blitz six guys and cover the five receivers or whatever, just play single coverage and bring everybody. Or they could just sit back and like rush two or rush three guys and just blanket the field so Schrager cannot throw the ball to anybody. I do think he'll have success. He'll be throwing the ball quite well. But Oregon, Bo Nix, he is such a good quarterback. They have the Heisman campaign up in New York City similar to Jimmy Harrington. Jimmy Harrington years and years, or Jimmy, not Jimmy, Joey Harrington. Oh, geez, get my J's mixed up. From a while, a while ago down Times Square. They did beat Texas Tech 38-30, beat up on Portland State 81-7. They're obviously more in between for that game, for that team. But I, I just, uh, Hawaii's going to be in a world of hurt for this offense, their defense, because their defense isn't all that good. Like, when they played Vanderbilt, the rush, okay, let's say, let me rephrase it. The rush defense played well versus Vanderbilt. So that was helpful. And Bucky Irving is the main rusher for Oregon so far this year. He has a couple touchdowns. Or Jordan James as well. Both those guys have about 100 yards. Irving 157. They each have three TDs. Both averaging well over six yards a carry. Irving has 10.5 with a long of 56, which is for one-third of his yards. But they have that. But then, like, okay. Running game, fine. 7.1 is good because they have big plays. Great. But Trey Guardian, Troy Franklin, Gary Bryant, Bucky Irving also is in the backfield guy with 10 catches. Tez Johnson. Noah Winningham, running back who catches the balls all night. The guy who he has only seven percent running uh, uh, rushes. Part of that, most of that, I know Portland State, but they have a lot of guys who are able to make plays. They do not get for quarterback. They're okay. They have four sacks on the air. Nothing crazy after the couple games, but I just don't like this Hawaii defense, man. It's this is going to be a long day. This is, while it's, I kind of joke, oh, 37 and a half, that's huge. It's huge. It might be warranted because they only beat New Albany by 11. They lost to Stanford by 13. They almost beat Vanderbilt, which is showing, okay. I think they'll move the ball in the air a bit. I could see Shager having like 250 yards just because the amount of times you're going to throw the ball, how many possessions I'll get because Oregon will move and score. But he also has five picks on 10 TDs, so he'll get picked off a bit. I just, man, Oregon's offense, like, it's going to just, I don't care if the Oregon's defense is good or not, because eh, sometimes it is, it's just Oregon, it just kind of depends what Oregon can do defensively, but Texas Tech put up 30, Texas Tech isn't bad, I just, just uh, this could be an offensive showcase, I'm going to go 50-10 to 10 Oregon, I think they're just going to roll, and apologies to Hawaii fans out there who are not happy with this prediction, but I think that's, that's the case, they're just going to get beat by a lot of points. 
Next game. All right. Rivalry game. New Mexico State, New Mexico Lobos are actually a small favorite. It's a Mount West Network Network game, so check that out. Uh, New Mexico State, not as good as people thought. They figured with them making the bowl game last year, with Jerry Kill taking not taking over, but being back, that it would be continuing on upward trajectory of them being about a bowl eligible team in that range. But so far they are one and two. They have lost to UMass, not good. Lost double digit points to Liberty, beat Western Illinois, good, awesome. Rival game is interesting because Mexico State has typically done better in this matchup versus the Lobos. But one thing we're looking to see here, and we want to know is with Dylan Brooks or oh not <laughs> I think Dylan Brooks Team Canada. NBA guy feeble what he's been doing. No, Dylan Hopkins, quarterback for New Mexico, and what they're what they're gonna do with this new newish offense that we kind of got to see a bit. Because when they played Texas AM, it's like no. Like there's nothing there's very little to learn that what this offense could be. And then they beat Tennessee Tech. So again, this is kind of the get to know you Saturday, this particular matchup versus the uh, Aggies of Mexico State and Los Cruces to where Okay, what are they going to do? But historically, it's interesting. 73 wins for New Mexico over New Mexico State. However, while the Lobos did win last year, or excuse me, New Mexico State won last year, this game's always close. Because 2022, Mexico State won. Then you had 21 to Mexico won. Nothing in 20. And then three of the past, I think it's three of the past four have gone toward the Aggies. And then seven of the past nine, I think, or ten have gone to Mexico State. So they've... um, or no, New Mexico, sorry. I'm, I'm looking at Winsipedia, and they have cherry and silver, which are Lobo's colors, going over. Like, the, when they show, like, the graph of who's who's won. New Mexico, I mean, for some reason, I thought New Mexico State won more than they have in this type of series. So, New Mexico State did win last year, yeah. So, I apologize. For some reason, I thought New Mexico State has won a bit more. But it's always been close. Like, you've had the 32-31 game in 2016, 30-28 game in uh, 17. This is both Aggie wins. The only big blow was 42 25 and 18. And then last year, 21 9. Like, there's only been a couple of double digit games. It's always reasonably close. So, I want to see what Hopkins could do in, the, in their type of offense they're throwing out there. Because she had four touchdowns. She had cross game merit run for three. And they beat Tennessee Tech by a lot. They helped Danny Gonzalez get a big victory. He's on the, sort of on the hot seat just because not having so many victories over the past couple of years. But here's the thing where New Mexico can make hay. They had Mexico State this week, possible win. I think they're going to win. They go to UMass the week after. They could beat the Minutemen there. Then they start league play. So if they go 3-1 and one in non-conference play, that's really good. But I am excited. Like I'm going to tune in to the Mountains now. We're going to watch this game and see what the Lobos and Hopkins can do because I'm just wondering what the Lobos, if they're finally going to ever be a have a pulse of a team under Danny Gonzalez because past couple coaches, it's not gone great, obviously. And Rocky Log leave to Syracuse after kind of mentoring Gonzalez for the first couple of seasons. But a couple of players Lobos need to look out for on this Aggies team is clearly Monty Watkins, one of the best running backs in their other team. And Diego, because and he has about what, big play capability, but also probably Star Thomas is their main running back. So they have two guys. Even Jamani Jones has done reasonably well. They're in six and a half yards of carry, so that's going to be the key thing they're going to want to stop overall. Their big play capabilities because they have five plays over 25 or more rushing this year. Uh, quarterback play with Diego Pavilla has been not, it's been hit or miss. Offensive line's terrible, six sacks on the year, picked off four times, only six touchdowns. Eh, only six, six is fine in three games. That's okay. Um, he's completing a good rate of 65%, but if they can get after the quarterback, like get after Pavilla, that'll just be a big key. And then if they get off the quarterback, okay, quarterback gets sacked, gets hurried. Can they run the ball if there's already pressure on the quarterback? So it always can kind of snowball. But if they are able to sling it down the field, you got Jonathan Brady and Trent Hudson and other guys. Like, okay, what do we got here? They are, they are big play capability, especially Hudson with a trio of touchdowns. And they throw the ball deep. Like, there's a 50-yarder, 80-yarder, 40-yarder. They have multiple plays over 40-plus yards. So Lobos, well, it's kind of like a boomer bust for the Aggies offense, it seems like. So if they can get after Pavia and make a throw quickly, odds of getting a deep play, not there if he's getting sacked or being pressured. So I, I think the keys for Lobos are defensive line, get after the quarterback, which these are always dumb and simple. Like keys, oh, keys, score more points, turnover, blah, blah, blah. But I do think they can get after Pavia for the quarterback and ha- give that defensive confidence. And I, I want to see what the Lobos offense can do. 
Because New Mexico State defensively, when you look at again, they're one and two on the year. Look who they played. They beat in, uh, I believe, what, the FCS team in Western Illinois. We mentioned UMass beat them up. Liberty. I think I don't think there'll be a ton of points. It'll be a rival game, but I'll go twenty-eight twenty-four to Mexico. I think that'll be the case. Now we have the college game day. ESPN kickoff is coming to Boulder to watch uh, Colorado host Colorado State because week three on the national slate. Nothing crazy, and why not hit your? Why not go to Coach Prime? Why not? So I did find out as we're recording right now, at our chat GM Adam Schefter, who obviously ESPN guy used to work in Denver. He put out a tweet, fighting words. So if you ever see Deion Sanders, obviously this year, he's always wearing shades. That's what he does. Blah, blah, blah. He did an indoor press conference. So Jay Norvell, I don't know what he's doing here. He goes, when I talk to grownups, I take my hat and glasses off. That's the way my mother taught me. It's like, oh boy. Deion Sanders, like nobody thought Colorado would be this good. Me and Matt, I think, I know I did pretty good. I think CSU could win. Colorado, who cares if they had roster turnover? They're one of the worst rosters in the country. Not the case. Drew Sanders doing quite well. Travis Hunter playing about seemingly every snap in mankind in more than one college football game. If you talked about him, oh, he's played in four games this weekend? He played in 200 snaps a game? That's what you're thinking about? Half kidding, but he plays a lot. He's quite good offensively, elite defender. Like He wasn't as great last week in their game, but the opener where they played Nebraska was fine, good, but not what he did versus TCU. But any press conference I've seen Coach Deion Sanders in, he's is wearing shades, is wearing glasses. So I don't know. It's Jay Norville's probably just screwing around, and like he probably wants some motivation. He's like, "Get my name out there." They're coming to see Coach Prime. I'm like, well, no, they're coming to see me. Um, apologies here. Sorry, I got a random text. I was looking at. Yeah, I'm not pausing it. We're talking more about Colorado, Colorado State. So the glasses thing—that's uh. Pretty funny. My mom told me to take glasses and hat off when I'm inside. Does that give CSU four points more? I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all good. It's it's just funny. It's like he's trying to motivate. I don't know if it's motivation thing, just screwing around, but it is funny to see Deion Sanders wear those the entire time, no matter what, like indoor shades like that dude. But you know who primetime is. That's what he's done with the. Uh, the Niners, the Braves, the Cowboys, the Falcons, all these teams. Do you have the Yankees for a hot minute? I don't know. But the game itself, so... The big thing about CSU, they are not starting Clay Millen. Which, okay, we thought he'd be the guy after last year, what he did. Completing some record 70-ish percent. Uh, okay. I see a thing from Steve A. Smith. I'm not, it's a video. I wish I could read what it was, but maybe I'll do a quick article on it in a minute. But it's... Uh, just mentioned, like he said, what? Reacts to the shot of Deion Sanders, oh boy. But this is game two for the Rams. They had a bye last week after losing to Washington State 32, excuse me, 50 to 24. I played game coach Orbel a couple days ago, early in the week, I think it was Monday, I want to say. It's going with um, Clay Millen's not playing with Braden, Braden Fowler Nicolesi is going to be the starter. He does have only two touchdown passes for the Rams this year, does have a pick. Um, Washington's a pretty good team. They beat Wisconsin last week, a ranked team. So having Avery Morrow run for 29 yards week one, not ideal, but we'll see what the Rams um, can do against the Buffs' defense, which GC scored 42 points against them. Nebraska scored points against them. So I do think there's a space for Rams to uh, score some points and move the ball. One matchup which will be amazing to see, I'm assuming Travis Hunter will match up with a Torrey, Hunter, Torrey Horton, who is a legit NFL. That'll be... If you're like an NFL person, like, oh, what? there's not games or just ideal, but Horton versus Hunter will be an interesting matchup to see because Travis Hunter was number one overall recruit two years ago, which Jackson, with Deion Jackson State over like FSU, like last week I flipped crazy, come to see you, playing both sides of the ball. So that will be a matchup to see if Horton can break through. But also Justice Ross Simmons, who we discussed before, like all of our previews and stuff, is leading the team with a touchdown five catches, but Horton, or excuse me, 123 yards, only five catches compared to Horton's nine for 81. But I do think there is some potential for the offense to move against some points games in conference. Just that defense, man. They give 50 to Wazoo, Colorado with like Shadur Sanders throwing the ball. They have multiple receivers. They have multiple running backs. They have offenses clearly have exceeded any expectations people had for this team. They figured it would be at least a year plus. But in the portal area, I guess you can, well, you know, um, get new players instantly. And turnover roster is not a big deal anymore. It's like it's like a take a couple years. 
with this and what Lincoln Riley's done, coaches at this higher level, like, okay, you have an, half, an off season, go get your guys and be win four more games. We'll see. The Buffs still may go six and six because the Pac-12 is brutal, but a couple. When I mentioned a couple running backs, it's Dylan Edwards, Anthony Henderson, Hankerson, excuse me. Those guys are doing reasonably well. The running game's been actually not great, one point seven yards per carry, and Shadur has been sacked eleven times. So the offensive line isn't. With all the yards he's put up completing, despite being sacked that many times, still has no interceptions, six touchdowns in two games, seventy-seven completion rate. So the Rams could theoretically think the running game. Has been besides Dylan Edwards, who's been pretty good. Nobody else has been great. It's been all the passing. So if somehow the Rams secondary can cause pressure, or not secondary, but defense can cause pressure, and secondary just makes a blaze. Perhaps against guys like again, guys like Travis Hunter, who's doing pretty good receiving, fourteen catches, obviously not as much last week, but they have Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Hoard Jr. Uh, they also have like again Dylan Edwards out of the backfield catches passes with that. He did have a 75 yard shot as yards came on catch, essentially, for that TD he has. And he has three on the ground. Or, excuse me, running back has three catches. Like, you know, whatever, ground player running back has three receptions. I'll bet too explosive, but I do think the Rams' defense could maybe do something here. If they can get for QB and stop the running game, that might clearly Colorado could win by passing the ball only if they need to. But if you want to see some progress, I do think the Rams could make something up front and then also on offense. Buffs has given up what forty-two to, to um, TCU in the opener, and then four, only fourteen last week versus Nebraska. So we'll see how that plays out totally. But I do think they could have some success. Twenty-three and a half probably seems about right. So I think it's going to be probably forty to ten. I hope Buffs can do, Rams can do something and get a hold of the Buffs and make some plays. But I don't know, man. We'll see. Next game, Fresno and Arizona State. This is one of the better games because, yeah, it is a Pac-12 school. It's 7.30 Pacific on FS1. Fresno's a three-point road favorite because Arizona State, under Kenny Dillingham, does not look all that great starting um, Jalen Rashad at quarterback, true freshman there. They lost to a bad Oklahoma State team. They barely beat Southern Utah where they had probably could have lost that game. So this is a matchup where I want to see Mikey Keene, what Keene can do throwing the ball what the next next running back up for Fresno State could do. But we look at Arizona State real quick. Like Jaden Rashad, not Jalen, sorry. Get him and uh, Kansas QB mixed up. Yeah, been okay. Not completing the ball great. Four four sacks. Their biggest weapon, I would have to say, probably be Cameron Scadaboo, who has four and a half yards to carry, 133 yards. They have some, a pretty decent receiving group with four guys and five or more catches, including tight end Jalen Connors. I just, with them struggling versus Southern Utah and not able to put up all the points against Oklahoma State, man, the offense is just, they have a couple players, but not anything that I'm super confident about because, again, Rashada being true freshman, it's like, okay, what can Coach Tedford dial up on defense to make him confused, stack him a few more times, not have the running, running game go well? Because they have no explosives on the ground game. Like their longest run of the year is 17 yards. It's nothing special. And one was by a random backup. Elijah Badgers carried the ball twice. So there's no real confidence that ground game. And defensively, they're better defensively than that, you think, because giving up only 27 points, it's not it's not elite defense, but it's not bad. But I, I just think what Fresno State, 2-0, which is great. I think they'll be 3-0 after this game. And again, the Eastern Washington game, there is cause for concern for them struggling versus the Eagles, who is a good FCS team, but not elite like they used to be. And so they can't miss field goals, can't have bad penalties. They can't – they just got to have a better – kind of a better uh, start to the game. Like they beat Purdue 39-35 where they were back trailing early on. So I believe in that game where they down – like they were down 21-17 halftime. They were down here and there. I think a better start would prove them – would be fruitful for them. It is on the road, so there's that to consider. But like Arizona State, crowd pretty – good but i just i think fresno is just a better all-around team like there's a reason they're a road favorite they have the better quarterback mikey Keene. they have the better i'm gonna say running defense like guys like cam lockridge back there they have guys like um who's leading the team like all these guys with devo bridgers playing well dean clark they have all these guys lavelle bailey made the i believe made the interception for the game winner against uh eastern washington overtime so they have guys out there. They only have one pick on the year, so that's not great. Defensively, so that's something they need to work on. Maybe they can pick off the ASU quarterback more. They don't have they only have one sack as well. So there is a concern 
defensively uh, making big explosive plays, getting after the quarterback or TFLs or sacks. They're not really doing a good job on that aspect. So that is something that they'll definitely need to look at. But like, they, but offense, they they'll be fine. Eric Brooks is doing great receiving the ball, a couple of touchdowns on the air. Elijah Gill, Gilliam looks like the guy at running back, and then also Devin Rivers, who's done a couple of carries, doing okay. But it's going to be the bulk of the carries are Gilliam, uh, Mikey Keene completing the ball quite well. Not many picks, five sacks in two games, not great. If that could be shored up a little bit, that should be okay. And maybe. We've seen him run around. It's similar when they had J.K. and like quarterback getting hit, getting a little bit here and there, beat up just because of the offensive line. If that could be tightened up just a little bit here or there, that would be a, a way to go and go a long way. But I'm, I'm just going to say, I don't think Fresno State is going to be explosive and just crush them. But I'm going to go 28-20 Fresno State. I don't see why they can't put up four touchdowns in. Basically kind of, uh, it'll be only a game like, oh, they're hanging around, but not really. It'll, I think they'll just kind of walk away with that one. Final game of the weekend, Kansas going to Nevada. Yes, a home game against a Big 12 team for the Wolfpack. 8.30 Mountain Time, I guess that's a 7.30 Pacific Local, CBS Sports Network. Kansas is a 28-point favorite. Now you look at this, I'm like, hmm, Kansas football, which I know I'm using an old term, but God, they're not very good. They're actually quite good, but 28 points. It's like, okay, and they're at home too. It's like, oh my goodness. It's uh, it's there's a couple of these going on here. Before we get to the game, there's an interesting promotion they're running at Mackey Stadium. So to get people to show up, which can be difficult in all these places across the country in college football, is that they're going to if you buy a ticket to the Kansas game, they're offering free free UNLV tickets if you buy a Kansas game because they think they'll get their butt kick. But the UNLV game's huge rival, the Cannons on the online everything. Um, so last week their biggest they actually had their biggest um. Draw nineteen thousand eight fifty two home opener largest cr- versus Idaho, which they got their butt kicked. Largest crowd during Ken Wilson's year plus he's been there. And the biggest game since they hosted last time UNLV. So what the Wolfpack are doing now? GA ticket to Kansas game that comes with um, let's see, general admission ticket to the Kansas game that come with a GA spot for UNLV is fifty. I'm not sure that's parking. That's worded oddly. Um. There must be something else. But if you buy that ticket, you can get a free ticket to the UNLV game. So they want people to show up. Um, they do have a six-game losing streak, unfortunately. Um, Jayhawks are not ranked, but they're getting votes in consideration. They haven't played. Um, and Kansas looking for the first 3-0 start since almost 30 years, since 91-82. So that'll be interesting when they come to town, If pe- how many people show up um, and how, how it will just be for this matchup. But... I don't know, man. Like Kansas, they beat up. They played Illinois last week, and I think we talked about before. Obviously, they won by a couple points, by a little bit here, but they kind of pulled away. Their offense, they have probably the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve, one of the best running backs in the Big Twelve. They beat Missouri State, and Illinois, uh, but Jaden Jalen Daniels is really good. Like, but he's only been sacked twice. He only has two touchdowns, which is not great. But he's completing every pass and pop imaginable. They don't need him to when they have a dual running back in Devin Neal and Daniel Hishaw. So I don't know what Nevada can do to stop or slow those guys down. Who are the whole running game is average over six freaking yards a carry. Like Dylan Devin Neal, okay, he has two hundred fourteen yards on nine point three average per carry. It's like he's just torching it. He does have a big, huge fifty yarder on the air, but they have him. Then they have a bevy of receivers. Four receivers have six or more catches. Like look out for Luke Grimm. He has a he has a touchdown. You have Lawrence Arnold, almost just. Like these guys are seven, six, seven, eight, nine catches each. They have th- at least three passes over forty-five yards. They're a deep threat. They're explosive. They run the ball well, and everything basically opposite what Nevada does. <laughs> and they also defensively seven sacks on the air in just a couple of games. I know one was versus an FCS team, Missouri State, but Nevada ugh, their offensive lines get to step up in this game because when you look at the protection they're giving to uh, Brendan Lewis, their quarter- quarterback, he's been sacked. Four times, not bad, but different offensive line, different or excuse me, different defensive line they're facing. Nevada kind of runs the ball okay with Sean Dollars. Um, Jamal Bell's their best threat by far in offense, but a third of his yards came on one catch. In Kansas defense, like okay, maybe they can make a make some noise that way. Defense, not terrible. And Brendan Lewis is only completing fifty six percent of his passes, so it's like, what are we doing here? I don't know what to. Like, 
Is he going to get better? Because the Idaho game, like, if you lose to freaking Idaho by multiple scores, like, what are we doing here, Nevada? Like, Ken Wilson, you're in trouble. And this game, Kansas, probably win, blowout fashion. I do hope that Nevada has, like, okay, all right, here we go. We lost to Idaho. Not a good, not a good game, boys. We lost. We got to figure something out. Can't get beat like this again. We're playing a team from the Big 12 that'll probably win, be at, at worst a bowl team, probably could win up to eight games. How are we going to handle and respond? That's what I think they need to say. Okay, what's the response level for this type of game? What are we doing here? What's going to be the situation if we're to make us successful? That's what Ken Wilson has to figure out. I'm looking for a couple things. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to see. I guess you have you have a, with the set with a couple of sacks. Like I'm going to butcher this name: Tongaki Mate Leona. Which Matt's going to tell me that right name pronouncer, but that's what that is. Uh, so he has a sack and double digit tackles on the year. So there's that to consider. Offensive line, four sacks isn't bad, but you're playing a better front. Um, Sean Dollars, like I said, okay, I guess Jamal Bell, you got to get him the ball a lot more. He's crushing the team in reception, 16 to 4. Spencer Curtis, the next level guy, or excuse me, John Jackson at five, Curtis has four. So the, obviously the game plan is get the ball to Bell, be more efficient completing the ball. With getting to at least, can we get to 60% Brandon Lewis? Is that something we can do? I just think Kansas is going to be too much in this matchup. It's not the same old kind of guy that works. Like, oh, Kansas are terrible. I'm like, dude, they're not bad. They're a good team. They're go- they they have all-star cuts on the bowl game. They do this, they do that. They are not the same old pushover type of team. They're a solid team. So that's why I'm wondering about the cover situation because it's tw- was 28 at home. I guess I gotta go. Man, I gotta go. Kansas. It's gonna be like thirty to three. Oh no! No, wait. That covers. So maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I think it'll be forty to forty to ten. I'll go with that score. I think I mentioned that score one of these games, one of these prior games. But I'll go forty to ten. That that's what it'll be for Kansas to uh, get to victory. And it's gonna be a tough week. Matt Mount Mount, Mount West has one, two, three Power Five teams, four, five, six, seven teams against Power Conference plus the conference uh game between air force and utah state so that'll do it for this week check us out everything we do at mwr.com all previews we have rankings all sorts of different cool stuff up on the site for everybody to look at if you like this hey give a subscribe you know if you do listen tell a friend and we'll be back in a couple days to recap everything on the podcast and just check again mwr.com twitter mount mwcy as well to go through all the fun stuff there we do and have screw around on game day and we'll see you next time folks